is insanity when the world, the whole world is watching. I knew it was a bad sign when I fly into the Des Moines airport, first bathroom I go into. Two of the five stalls not working, <laughs> out of order size. I knew it was an omen. I kept it to myself. Wow. Wow. You never talk about that, things like that in the air. But I just, I just did yeah. because I'm thinking, you know what? They can't run a bathroom. How are they going to run a democracy? Wow. There you go. Um, so if you're not hip to this story, the Iowa caucuses were yesterday. Normally on uh, on a caucus night, you have somebody come out and declare themselves the winner, having gotten the most delegates. And then uh, oftentimes you have people drop out that night who didn't uh, get close enough. There's no reason to go on. Money sloshes into the front runner or occasionally front runners. And they head to to New Hampshire and get a tremendous amount of attention. And having been the front runner out of Iowa, well, they had computer snafus and nobody's been declared the winner and no uh, information has been released yet. And I do believe it's the end of the Iowa caucus process. At least for Democrats, and so there you are. Gary Dietrich joins us. Gary is a nonpartisan political analyst with I3, Inspire, Inform, Involve. You can see him at GaryDietrich.com. Hey, Gary, how are you? Or at, at Gary Dietrich for those who like to tweet. Oh, it is fun to tweet, isn't it? Hey, so is Iowa dead? Is this the last time we go through the caucus system as we have seen it in years past? Well, not if some people have their way, because actually, guys, there was a couple of big winners out of last night, but their names were not on the ballot. Do tell. Well, number one, Michael Bloomberg, who decided people are going to say quite presciently now, I'm not going to bother with Iowa. I'm just going to forget it altogether. And you know what? People were saying that would be the death knell of the Bloomberg campaign. He caught a solid last night huh. with no numbers, right? Okay. And no momentum, to your point, Jack, out yeah. of Iowa. So, I mean, in a He very- also gets to, to talk about being the. Um, Look, I run computing systems yes. and organizations and get things done and data. I know how to do this sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, they his, clearly don't. His tagline, as I'm seeing it on a zillion of, of TV ads coming out now, is, you know, Mike can get it done. Well, he probably, Mike can get it. And the other big guy is going to be speaking tonight quite extensively, and that's the president himself who catches a big solid out of Iowa because there was, you know, today's story would have been, wow, we got a serious challenger or two now to Trump. We don't know that yet, right? I mean, right. there's no momentum out of the out of uh, last night, and of course, the guy who slipped in really is taking a deep breath today is Joe Biden, who was on the ballot, <laughs> but by all accounts, seemingly from his own campaign, based on the press release he put out last night, saying, "Did you guys hear this? It was so specific." His campaign said, "Do not even release any information, Iowa Democratic Party, before you consult with the campaigns." to make sure that the integrity has been preserved. Right. If that isn't a, hey, listen, we want to squelch this as long as we can statement, yeah, yeah. I don't know what is. All right, well, you dodged my question. Are we done with the caucus? I don't think so. No? Yeah, we might oh, be. Oh, you're swimming against the, the tide well, but, there, but guess, Gary. You know what this is like to me? It's what we hear every morning after the presidential race, depending on who won or lost. Well, we're done with the Electoral College. The Electoral College is gone. Mm. This is the cycle that's going to be history. Now, of course, yeah, but the Iowa caucuses aren't in the Constitution. Yeah, I was going to say, thank you, thank you, Joe. <laughs> it isn't constitutionally protected, although in Iowa they might think that it is. I, I don't know. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult to do. But one thing we know for sure, there is going to be carrier pigeons, no apps in four years. Well, I could be wrong, guys. But, uh, you know, there's, there's been this whole thing. I mean, people were talking again last night. We should go to regional primaries that get rotated every cycle, you know, and so the West has a chance. I don't know. I it's, like that idea. 
I, I think it's got some promise to it. But there has to be, and, and there's more and more momentum for this, serious reforming of the primary system because there's way too much democracy in it. And, and people have gone from murmuring that in dark corners to saying it to their friends to now saying it out loud in the major publications. Look, having the hardest core, tiny percent of our party bellow who they demand to be the candidate is not the way for my party to be successful. And you've heard that more in the Democratic Party, particularly oh, yeah. because of concerns, Joe, as you know, about the, the nature of Iowa's demographics, diversity-wise, compared to other states, et cetera. Some say, well, South Carolina is more representative. So I, I don't know. These things are difficult to change. Certainly, if there was ever a moment it's going to happen after last night, this yeah. is it. I have more on that later, but I want to get to some of the... I was looking at Tim Carney's piece in the Examiner. We, we like Tim Carney, and he said, come on, we basically know how Iowa voted against Biden. That seems to be the only result that people are pretty solid on is Biden didn't do well. Well, if he didn't do well... As the guy that was going to bring together the moderate to conservative wing of Democrats against Bernie and Elizabeth or whatever, where is it now? Is the socialist wing going to take over? Well, and if so, holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, that, that phrase is, was uttered a lot last night uh, in various ways. I, I think you're on to something, Jack. And I think there's a number last night that isn't getting as much attention as it should. And that was the turnout in Iowa. The turnout ah, in right. Iowa. Okay. Which was really enhanced when Obama ran the first time. Apparently, last night's number is at or even slightly below 2016, which had a number of Democrats last night really murmuring loudly about their concern about the process. And And do we have a front runner, be it Biden or somebody else, who can carry the torch effectively? 2016 was roughly, what, 25% lower than the Obama height of turnout. So that's pretty modest, especially given that we've been told 30 million times that Democrats are at a fever pitch to remove the orange fellow from the White House. By far the the most important election of our lifetime, and uh, various pundits saying this might be our last chance to save the country, and et cetera, et cetera, and you end up with kind of a disappointing turnout. What does that mean? So the question becomes, there's a two-part question then. One is, to your point, Jack, is there a serious schism in the party such that, you know, that was the other hand-wringing last night. We're, we're in deep trouble because we just can't seem to get our collective acts together behind a candidate. But then the other one is, are we animated in general? Are we, whoever we put out, are we going to be able to pull this off? So there's a lot of question marks last night. The, the primary process can energize and animate a, uh, a party. But it's a tricky one. It's, it's easier a very you, tricky one. It's easier if you can declare a winner yeah. on the night and he, of a contest and, and have that, everybody rally around them, but that didn't happen. Yeah, I'm sorry, Jack. Here, here's something that really intrigued me last night. About one-third of the people that went to the caucuses were self-declared first-timers as they did the entrance polls, not the exit polls. Of those people, most of them were Sanders supporters. And then Buttigieg and, and Biden was way down mm-hmm. with Yang and Klobuchar. For first-time voters. And those are the people that everybody has said this time, we have got to animate you know, new voters. We, we've got to pull those people into the process to help tip the scales against Trump. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of, there's certainly going to be a lot of soul-searching going in New Hampshire. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, there's a growing dissatisfaction with the system as it is right now. And just because it is now doesn't mean it has to be. I was looking at some of the entrance polls last night, and the number of uh, Iowa caucusers who identified as very liberal was bigger than the number that identified as moderate or conservative Democrat. So, I mean, that is a wildly liberal 
deciding committee. Of caucus goers, and that's not where the party is, because half the Democratic Party is conservative or moderate. Right. And just as an American, because, listen, the the push and pull of politics, you end up somewhere between the the extremes. You know, maybe not in the middle, but somewhere between those two sets of ideas. I, as an American, don't want to see a bunch of naive, socialism-loving 19-year-olds dictating the direction of the Democratic Party, because that yanks the entire national conversation to the left. I can't stand it, and I hope they do something about it. I think it's unhealthy. Well, I think that the important thing tonight, and prop bets out of the Super Bowl and stuff, is how many over-under, how many times is Trump going to allude to Iowa mishaps tonight in the State of the Union address. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, I actually think, yeah, switching to that and this pace, so you got, uh, we're going to get results of Iowa, I think, at some point today, maybe right before Trump walks I, out. We, we, they say that, Jack, but I don't know. It might not, yeah, might not. It, well, if Biden actually legally challenges the results, they might have to hold them for a couple of days. It may be two weeks like Santorum. <laughs> anyway, so you got State of the Union address tonight. Maybe Trump mentions impeachment a lot. Maybe he doesn't mention it all. Who knows? A debate on Friday night and then New Hampshire. Uh, a week from today. You, you forgot acquittal or conviction of the president tomorrow on the right. Senate floor. Oh, yeah. That's, that's oh, decided. Let's not pretend <laughs> that's not decided. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, so the next week, guys, I think in light of last night, is going to, I mean, obviously New Hampshire's uh, importance is increased dramatically because of what didn't happen last night. I mean, when I'm looking at the TV this morning, and literally the screen says 0% across the board for yeah. a few one of the candidates' names, people are scratching their heads this morning saying, Geez, maybe did they have a big snowstorm? They called the thing off. God, all that time and money all those people put into that. Yeah, it's amazing. Gary Dietrich, nonpartisan political analyst, I3 and Sporum, and Sporum, Inspire, Inform, Involve, GaryDietrich.com or at Gary Dietrich on the Twitter machine. Thanks, Gary. Good to talk to you. Appreciate your time. Likewise, guys. Talk soon. On we go. I have more on the whole Iowa caucus and why I think it is going to go away and all that sort of stuff, but but later. I don't want to worry you. I don't want to kill you with this whole thing. Um, we got a research that shows that Americans think traditional life milestones aren't important anymore, like uh, marriage, kids, et cetera, et cetera. What? Um, a variety of things we can talk about. Do you feel oppressed by J-Lo's halftime performance? That sort of thing. I know I do. I know. I, yeah. I, I, I dressed in the dark today. I did not want to see my naked body. Oh, boy. After seeing J-Lo at the halftime show. <laughs> oh, boy. I just can't, I live up, I can't live up to it. Armstrong and Getty. So if you get any results, feel free to call in. That's where my dad went to college, by the way. If you got any good stories about my dad in college, feel free to call in. Um, I uh, I had an unfortunate weekend in Ames once. That's where Iowa State University is, for people yes. who aren't aware of that. Yes, that was related, yes. <laughs> um, Bit of a visit uh, gone wrong. Well, it went right for quite some time before it went wrong. Uh, well, our text line is four one five two nine five KFTC four one five two nine five KFTC. Rush Limbaugh with an announcement about his health yesterday that uh, leaves a lot of things up in the air, and, and boy, the responses to it were something. So that coming up in a little bit. You know, it's funny. Uh, 
I know we're not going to talk about this right now per se. We're going to a little bit later on in the hour, but the response to the announcement of of Rush having late stage lung cancer um, really showed that a lot of us have abandoned our humanity in favor of uh, political vehemence, which I find pretty objectionable and sad. I already don't like humanity. I like people. I like a lot of people. What do you always say? It's your least favorite beast or mammal? Or uh, 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 Yeah, homo sapiens are my least favorite species. Not me. Platypus. I hate them. <laughs> Anti-platypus stance there. So, uh, just, and you know, it's funny. They say that of conservatives like people, but don't like humanity. Liberals love humanity, but they don't like people. <laughs> um. Yeah, it is. human nature is unchanging, and it is uh, not to be trusted. And uh, we are a vicious, vicious beast. It is only civilization, morality, religion, which are often uh, somewhat fragile binds on us that keep us from being at each other's throats. You see that in historic situation after situation. And I would say, you know, if uh, who, like uh, Chris Matthews uh, and I got into a hell of an argument once, and, and he lied to me, and I caught him at it, and, and he said he'd come on when I proved it, but he wouldn't. But I don't hate Chris Matthews. I'm trying to think, who who on the left would I, I most be uh, most vehemently against? But there is nobody, there is not a single human being who I would say, I'm glad you have cancer. Not a single one. That can't be true. In in media, I'm talking about. Oh, okay. okay. In media or politics. Okay, or I was going to say, if uh, President Xi of China announces he's got late oh, stage no, some or, sort of cancer, I think, all right. Fathead in North Korea? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just talking about, you know, media commentators. But anyway, so that's crazy. But uh, I have this, uh, where is it? It's, it's around here Harvey somewhere. Weinstein oh. turns out he's got late stage some sort of cancer? Good. I have no problem with that. I think that would just probably save not the, the most, penal system some money. It's probably not the most Christian attitude, but uh, it, certainly, it certainly at the least doesn't bother me. Would you type it out and send it to the internet? No, I wouldn't. No, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't either. No. no. Um, Even about Harvey Weinstein, I would. Growing problem on airliners. United Airlines has just uh, announced a uh, training program for flight attendants and, and announced new policies and that sort of thing. Jack, would you like to know what this growing problem is on airliners? Dealing it's with pets? Tes- it's passengers watching hardcore porn. Oh, my God. On their laptops and everything in full view of the people next to them, including children. What? And they have to develop now policies and train their flight attendants what they're supposed to say and how they're supposed to handle it. Can you imagine? Well, what are you supposed to say other than, hey, don't watch that? I suppose there's so- I suppose if somebody says... I can watch whatever I want. You need to have a policy for how you handle it. You know, but hey, if you ever have watched porn while you're on a flight, I think you might want to take a look at your uh, your life. Yes, I mean, please. I'm, I'm not even I'm not even like trying to be an anti-porn activist. Just f- look at your porn uh, once you get to your hotel or home or whatever. If you can't make it a couple of hour flight without looking at porn. You honestly have a problem. Right. Oh, yeah. You got you, something wrong with you. Well, not only are you a person without morality, without regard for the feelings of the people around you, which is the social compact, which is civilization, understanding that, listen, we all have to cooperate somewhat to keep this from being chaotic and horrible. 
Uh, if you have abandoned that or, or don't have it, there's something terribly wrong with you. Never mind the fact that you're clearly some sort of sex addict. Oh, yeah, you got something wrong with your brain. In recent years, says United, incidents have soared of passengers viewing hardcore pornography on their personal devices in tight, close quarters, leaving pa- fellow passengers and flight crew feeling unsafe, emotionally triggered, and victim to sexual harassment. God, if my kid's first introduction to that sort of thing was a passenger on a plane, I'd be really unhappy. Yeah. Yeah, you'd hate to fight a guy on a uh, on an airplane, but if somebody's watching to... hardcore and won't stop in front of my kids, I'm smashing their device. <laughs> And I'm saying, look, I will gladly pay for you for that when we land, uh, but that's stopping now. You're going to get uh, tased by a uh, plane marshal. Again? <laughs> yeah, that's that's something, man. I'll tell you what. What is wrong with people? This is this is why we got to have rules, folks. And, you know, it's, it's being lived out in a lot of blue cities on the west coast of the United States where... Uh, people are trying for a uh, a world with compassion but no order with the bums and junkies and 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 civilization is broken down and you got rats and needles and disease and crime and the rest of it hey sorry there got to be rules we agree on the rules we self govern around here which is a really cool thing but once we pass those rules you got to follow them i know some of you uh, listen to us also listen to rush limbaugh i don't know if you heard his big announcement yesterday you've probably heard about it that he's uh, he's not well health wise we'll talk about that coming up among other things diagnosed with advanced lung cancer and I thought about not telling anybody I thought about trying to do this without anybody knowing because I don't like making things about me but there are going to be days that I'm not going to be able to be here because I'm undergoing treatment or I'm reacting to treatment and know that every day I'm not here I'll be thinking about you and missing you thank you very much Rush Limbaugh with an announcement at the end of his show yesterday. I don't know what advanced lung cancer means. I uh, uh, He did talk about he was diagnosed back in January, but so he knows what stage it is and chose not what to say. So I don't, I don't know what advanced means. Yeah, well, I think we could probably guess. But if it is, you, know, you can look it up for yourself. The statistics on lung cancer for stage four are months, not years. I mean, it's a, it's a rough one. Right. And then, having done it myself, how he, how you react to chemotherapy, that's different for, every, from er, for everybody, and who knows what it'll be like. So he could be off the air a lot, or, or fine, who knows? No, mm-hmm. no no way of knowing. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting when that news broke. And let me just throw in there, we certainly wish him well. We don't know Rush. Um, but, you know, the interesting thing about Rush Limbaugh being a super giant in talk radio, I mean, he's the super giant. Oh, yeah. Um, is that there are zero stories about him being a bad guy or difficult to work with or causing trouble for stations or anything like that. None. Which is, you know, he's a pro. Um, well, and he was just so ahead of his time. I mean, I could go on and on. Um, and, and back, you probably don't know this. There are a lot of, a lot of you who probably hate Rush Limbaugh or, or used to like him and, you know, whatever. It's, it's the nature of being in the business we're in. But, when he started with a local show in Sacramento, he was hilariously funny and wildly irreverent. I mean, like crazy young firebrand at the edge of getting fired 
a lot irreverent, uh, which, you know, obviously is something I think is is cool. <laughs> I haven't heard him that much in my life because I've, I've always been um, on either partially opposite or right before, like for 30 years. So I just haven't had that much opportunity to hear him mm-hmm. in my life. Yeah. Um, but he is a huge deal in the world of AM talk radio. I mean, he is, he's the deal. Yeah. It's going to change the landscape if he can't go forward on the air. So I don't, I don't know what that means for anything, but, and I, and I don't know, uh, politically what it means, but I was surprised by this. It means something. It's good. It's uh, appropriate. You brought that up. He is part of the conservative network of communication across America. No doubt. Well, I'll always, always remember this interview. He did several. He just signed another long-term deal. Um, he didn't say how many years or how many dollars, but he just signed another long-term deal. He had a deal that he signed several years ago. The rumor was it was $50 million a year. He's on with Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace is doing an interview with him on uh, on Fox News. And uh, Chris Wallace says, $50 million is an awful lot of money. Are you worth that? And Rush said, well, you could make the argument that I'm worth a lot more. Worth more than $50 million? <sighs> Which I thought... What, you don't understand the business? I guarantee you he's worth more than $50 million a year. Um, he's getting a, a tiny chunk of the number of dollars he brings in right. to the to the national uh, coffers for talk radio. Right. But um, he's a really, really big deal. So I said I was surprised by this. Why did I say that? No, I was not surprised by this. So I just picked one of the many <clears throat> tweets announcing his illness yesterday. I went to The Hill, which is a publication in Washington, D.C., about politics. Allegedly nonpartisan. It, it, not even close but allegedly nonpartisan. <laughs> Hashtag breaking. Rush Limbaugh says he's been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. And then the responses. Maybe there is a God. Um, uh, some of these I can't say because the language is so bad. Just yeah. giving the GOP back a little uh, something they always give us, thoughts and prayers with uh, the sarcasm uh, emoji or whatever. Good riddance. Uh, I've never wished a man dead, but I'll make an exception in his case. Uh, this one, his words have hurt many people, and his vitriol divided the nation. His lungs are hurting now from all the toxicity. Um, you have said awful things in the past. You might want to start your penance now. Mainstream media has conditioned their viewers to be hateful and intolerant towards conservatives and Trump supporters. Somebody fighting back against that. That was that was the first one of the first 20 tweets I came across that wasn't, yay, I'm glad he's uh, going to die, which we yeah. don't know that he's going to die. Right. Hell well, yes. we're all going to die. But. Um. <laughs> the occasional, I don't agree with him, but I wish him and his family well. The occasional. Right. But not very much. Yeah. And you're skipping the truly obscene. Yeah, because the word, the, yeah, because yeah. the language is so bad. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't, like I said, I didn't hear that much Rush Limbaugh. I don't remember hearing hateful racist screeds out of Rush Limbaugh. I've never heard that clip. Oh, no. If somebody's got a hateful, racist screed from Rush Limbaugh, feel free and uh, send it to the radio station. I'd like to hear it because I've never heard it. No, it's one of the uglier sides of politics, but it's very, very common in current discourse. You have to dehumanize your opponent. You have to make them into the monster that that your people will then rise up and, and hunt across the landscape with their pitchforks and torches. You have to say Trump's like Hitler because, you know, a bad Republican with bad policies... Their words, not mine. That's just not going to fire people up. It's tougher to break through these days. So you convince people that your opponents are monsters who are not only wrong, they're bad people. I'll just hit you with a couple more. Couldn't it happen to a more deserving person? When your time comes, you're going to get much worse. That's a you're going to hell tweet. 
Okay. Um, and good. I dance on his grave. He's been one of the most cynical, destructive forces in American public life for 30 years. He's poisoned, and we shouldn't pretend he's anything other than what he's been. Compared to what I see on CNN and MSNBC? Seriously? I mean, do, do people honestly believe that? I, yes, that it's they all do. one-sided. They're wrong and deluded, but yes, mm. they actually believe that. All right. You know, the one thing that, um, you know, I've the one problem I've always had with Rush, um, having listened to his show a fair amount, is that um, if he's guilty of one thing, I think it has at times been uh, convincing his listeners of unrealistic goals legislatively. I think we've lost the... The sense that you used to not even have to tell people that, all right, you got two parties. Um, one believes this, the other believes this. We're going to end up somewhere in the middle. And if we're lucky, we'll get 60% or 65%. That'd be a huge win. And I think there are a lot of conservatives right now who insist on getting 100% all the time. And so there are never any deals. And then, you know, when an Obama gets into the White House, he has an opportunity then to go way left with, uh, you know, Obamacare or something like that. And those of us who lean right have wasted the opportunity to, you know, enact moderate right policies that help people and get them good and firmly rooted. I just think there there's a fair amount, and there are other, I'm not going to go through a roster of names, but there are a fair number of people on the right in media who make a living by unrealistically raising their listeners' and viewers' expectations. And I just, we, you know, if you're new to the show... It's almost quaint and ridiculous the way we are as people. We're just, we weren't raised that way. It's, I think it's dishonest. And I would rather, well, in the immortal words of uh, Ricky Nelson, 1972, um, I'd rather drive a truck. Um, I'd rather be a realist and tell you all the truth as I see it. And we'll, we'll go from there. But 65% win is a huge win. Um, did he create the wave or ride the, ride the wave? I would be uh, willing to engage in that conversation. Did he create this? Partisanship, as some people are claiming, or did he just ride what was uh, occurring in the nation? I don't know. That there's a complicated answer, uh, complicated answer to that question, and part of it has Same to with do Trump, by the way. with the fact that there was nothing but left wing media, really, except for the Wall Street Journal and the Chicago Tribune, um, until uh, Rush and talk radio gained their feet. I wanted to play a little bit of Pete Buttigieg. Buttigieg! So, yeah, yeah, so if, I'm sorry, so to finish the thought, so if standing up and saying, um, excuse me, but I disagree is causing partisanship, well then, yeah, guilty. Boot edge edge, 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 they say. Boot edge, edge. Um, he announced himself a victor last night. Maybe we'll play that coming up. Yeah, and he talk. gave a victory speech. And, That's so great. Well, what else are you going to do? Um, maybe we'll talk a little <laughs> bit about that and how that whole thing fell apart. There's still no results out of the Iowa caucuses, and there might not be for days. Who knows? We do have a State of the Union address tonight. Wondering how many people will tune in. The record is 62 million. For George W. Bush in 2003 in the modern era. Uh, yeah, but it's so hard to measure now. That was right after... Well, no, that wasn't right after 9-11. That was 2001. Why was this such a big turnout for George... Oh, because the Iraq War. Ah, That's what it was. It was right, right, right before right. we were going to war with Iraq, and he was making the argument, and that was the big news story. But um, usually it's around 50 million people tune in, including Donald Trump in uh, 2019, so... We'll see how many people. Do you think he's going to crow about impeachment? If I were him, I wouldn't mention it at all. I think that would be the smart way to go. 
take the high ground, but that's not really his M.O. Jack, my entire life has been spent trying to decide between the smart thing and the thing I would enjoy the most. (laughs) (sighs) So what's Donald J. going to do tonight? I don't know. I would tout the economy. I would tout a variety of things. Oh, he absolutely is. And then leave impeachment alone. I know what you would do. (laughs) <laughs> What's he going to do? That's the question. The yes. theme is absolutely, as you've described it, it's, um, you know, America's comeback. And it's optimistic and it's forward-looking. And it's a campaign speech, clearly. A gentle jab at the Democrats for not being able to get results out of Iowa. But uh, that's that's what I would do. But you got to mention impeachment. Why? Because it'd be fun. Oh, okay. Because it would entertain me. Uh, I, I, think he, I think he will touch so on it, it briefly. So does he walk out and does he say, Adam, how you doing? How you doing, Adam? <laughs> Seen any good witch hunts lately, Nancy? Of course, Nancy's going to be, you know, like a vulture posed behind him. That's what he does. Hunched over, glaring. That's what so he does. Don't because mess with me. You know, every every congressperson gets one guest. Adam Schiff brought a guest. He brought a witch. Finally found a witch in his witch hunt. Brought a witch as a guest, I see. That's fantastic. Wow. Let's <laughs> see. Again, maybe not great for the country, but hilarious. <laughs> The Armstrong and Getty Show. By all indications, we are going on to New Hampshire victorious. (laughs) Crowd goes wild for Mayor Pete. Um, Now, is Facebook supposed to edit that because it's clearly uh, not true or, or what? That's a very good question. YouTube is out today with their new rules. They're not going to allow uh, false information, so that's technically false. That, that's information. horse crap. That's hilarious. Um, he may have won, but we don't know that yet. Right. So that's Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Um, is it possible that he meant we've just by how strong we finished? That's a win for our campaign. Well, exactly. But you're you're making my point. At what point does one become the other? At what point does spin become a lie? By all indications, we have triumphed. Well, what? Do you, what, what? Yeah. And so uh, Elizabeth Warren said something similar. Bernie said something similar. The only person who didn't say something similar was Biden because he made I a finish. I apologize. Course. You know who made a terrible mistake not taking a, uh, a Learjet to Iowa and saying it herself is Hillary Clinton. <laughs> By all indications, I have won. I'm back. So I just, I didn't stay up late enough to see that, but um, I heard the clip this morning and then I heard it explained to me, Mayor Pete was the last person to come out last night and do that. And he was after the news cycle and everything like that. So that was, that was not him like running out and grabbing the mic and I'm going to take advantage of this situation. No, mm. everybody else had already done that. And apparently as people convinced him, we probably ought to do it too. Give a victory speech. Everybody is. And I believe Klobuchar was the first to, to recognize that, that market inefficiency and ran out there and started speaking smart. into a mic. Yeah. That's just smart. There's a history of that sort of thing working for people. Bill Clinton, most famously, who came out and said, I'm the comeback kid, apparently. And everybody cheering like crazy. And he finished third, which is nothing to crow about, but he, <laughs> he, he was the first person to give a speech. All the cable networks went to him because they needed something to fill and, 
And he got a bounce out of it. Wow. Anyway, here's a Democrat, and I don't remember who she is, but she's an important pundit in the Democratic world on TV just a few minutes ago in Good Morning America (laughs) to make a point I'm going to make. I think we have to have a conversation about Iowa being dead. I mean, first of all, the state does not reflect the diversity of our party. We have to make sure it's not first. Second, this caucus thing is really unwieldy. And I don't know about you, Ron, but I'm worried about Nevada. So every single Democrat I've seen, pundit, people that are um, uh, active in the party, former party chairs, they've all said the Iowa thing is over. So I don't see how it possibly survives, despite what Gary Dietrich said on our show earlier. Every single pundit and person involved with the Democratic Party says it's over. Mm. They were wondering leading up to this, you know, because they got the whole diversity thing going. Iowa's 90% white. Um, uh, It was, as I heard, David Plouffe, former campaign manager of... Barack Obama say last night, a man whose name sounds like a euphemism for breaking wind. As he said last night on uh, MSNBC, I was hanging by a thread before this. It's yeah. dead now. Well, as you informed us yesterday, it was an invention of the McGovern campaign around, you know, late 60s, early 70s. So it's not like, you know, it began in 1806. No, it came out of the 68 riots in Chicago. So you had the smoke-filled rooms picking a candidate. You had the people on the street saying, that's not the candidate we want, Mm -hmm. and riots with the police and everything like that. So they decided, we need to make this appear more like the people have more of a say in who they choose as their candidates so we don't have this kind of violence. And uh, that leads me to my point. This whole thing has been a charade from the beginning. We learned a little bit about this four years ago when uh, Trump and Bernie were doing way too well and both parties went out of their way to try to pull strings and and you know, remember announcements in various states. Well, Ted Cruz actually gets the gets the delegates because the delegates get to choose who they want. You know, are all these rules that we didn't know about? Mm-hmm. And it became clear that this whole primary system was uh, window dressing to make voters feel like they were in charge of it. The parties wanted to be in charge of it. Mm-hmm. Well, they give they gave too much power to the people because you had Trump actually able to steal the nomination away from what the party wanted and Bernie damn near did yeah last time around well so the argument for Iowa all along has been and I've made this argument myself and I've always believed it small state you get to meet the candidate one-on-one all that sort of stuff you can't do that in California or New York or whatever mm-hmm. that always seemed like a good argument then I saw um, a Michael Steele last night on MSNBC and he used to be the Republican chair Oh, I think I know where you're going. And he and he said, "Look, and this is basically <laughs> what he said. Look, that's all nice, but let's not pretend that that's the way the campaign is going forward because somebody else said, "Well, if you don't do a small state and the caucus and everything like that, you're just going to end up with tarmac politics where they just fly in, they land at an airport, they give a speech, they go to the next town." He said, "Look, let's not pretend that that's not the way the entire campaign is." from this point on. Mm -hmm. What he's basically saying is this whole Iowa thing is just to make everybody feel like there's democracy is more than it is that it's it's you know it's getting together in backyard barbecues and shaking hands with a candidate they do it with a couple of people for a little while in a state that doesn't matter and immediately starting today starting last night that is over and it's just power politics with how much money you got and flying around in a jet and flying from town to town i I thought a joke i think he's right i think it's a cynical view I see it. It is cynical. In in a couple of ways. Number one, you could absolutely argue, listen, the people of Iowa take a hell of a lot of time and interest in listening to the plans and the the policies and 
talking to these people and looking them in the eye and and being our surrogates for really drilling down on who these people are. And that's valuable. And out of that really rigorous audition process comes a, a smaller group of people that we then take a much shallower look at. Okay? That would be the argument in favor of Iowa. What, what Steele, I think, was trying to say, because remember, he's a party, I hate to say hack, he's he's about the party and getting people elected. That's his job. It's his career. Okay? What he's saying is, the other 48 states, 49 after Iowa and arguably New Hampshire, were, we want a guitar player, okay? A big rally, tarmac, fly around, fly around, make a speech, politician. Well, we've just been auditioning them for six months playing the banjo in Iowa, during a com- doing a completely different style of campaigning. Congratulations, you play the uh, banjo like old, uh, what's his name? You're better with banjo players than me. Earl Scruggs. Earl Scruggs, the, the king of the banjo. But now we need a guitar player for the next 48 states. Can you play the guitar? Well, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I get it from a party point of view, but I don't know. I, it's over. I, just, I can't imagine how it goes forward with, with everybody in the media and all the heavyweights in the Democratic Party saying, and who cares? It doesn't matter. Times change. You can change it to something else. They're yeah. making a strong argument last night for why it should be California. Well, all right, we'll try it a different way for a while and see yeah. how that goes. I mean, it's okay. Don't be so terrified of change, my friends. Um, you know, there's there's probably a better idea around the, the corner. And if uh, our politics coughs up a worse hairball than usual next time around, we'll change again. <laughs>